Hi, I'm Jason Pritchard, and welcome to the EVTOL Insights Podcast, a brilliant show featuring guests from companies in the EVTOL aircraft and urban air mobility markets. Throughout each episode, we'll be finding out about their exciting projects, which will help revolutionise the way we travel in future and get their insights into the current state of the industry. In this episode, I'm joined by Lucas Marchesini and Michael Mazaric from Manta Aircraft. With a master's degree in aeronautical engineering from the Polytechnic of Milan and an MBA from SDA Bocconi, Lucas has always been involved in the aeronautical world professionally as a competition glider pilot and VLA pilot. The first light aircraft he designed was built before he graduated from university. With experience in Palatus Aircraft and Calidus, Lucas has also worked in several other industries with a common ground, the forefront of technology. Formula One and other motorsports, simulation, semiconductors, electronics, medical devices, scientific software and blockchain. Along his career, he has been a co-founder in several startups and his biggest passion is always the aircraft. Michael has nearly two decades of experience in marketing, marketing communications, branding, brand consulting and advertising for leading global agencies such as FCB Global, Blue Barracuda and Horizon Group UAE, GGK Mullenlow, McCann and VMLYNR. He has a strong focus on automotive in Europe and worldwide. During this time, he has managed more than 30 brands from startup to global companies. So Lucas and Michael, thank you so much for joining me on the EVTOL Insights podcast. Thanks to you, Jason. It's a pleasure being here with you. Very appreciated. Thank you. Great. Thanks, gentlemen. So if I could start with you first, Lucas. So for those who might not be aware, um, can you tell us more about the background behind setting up Manta Aircraft, please? Originally, we came from uh, an idea of sport and racing. And uh, this was for this new industry uh, to create a sport for the advanced air mobility. At that time, it was called uh, simply advanced air mobility and uh, become the technology platform. And then afterwards become then a marketplace. This is typical of every uh, activity where there are where there are technical or high technology tools. Like uh, in the cars, uh, you have many racing series uh, in the bikes, motorbikes, uh, boats everywhere. So the sport becomes a technology platform where to develop these uh, technologies and showcase them to the world, and then the manufacturers go there and and show their products so it also becoming then uh, a market a kind of marketplace so this was the beginning and then uh, in the course of the um, of the development uh, we got to the point of organizing this sport then we got to the point uh, uh, where we had to design the vehicle for the series and then we quickly realized that the potential of our approach can represent for a specific market where agility range and speed are the keywords, a very good springboard. At this point, we are not targeting the market of air taxi and uh, in urban areas. We are more focused where a solution with the longer range is required. So personal and regional air mobility, utility and rapid intervention missions, uh, uh, a number of, uh, of applications that have been also proposed by some user in the past year where we can leverage uh, the VTOL and uh, TOL capabilities of this type of aircraft 
mainly to replace some helicopters uh, or some missions of the helicopters without the need of so many infrastructures uh, on ground. This is uh, the, the, the landscape where we were born. I don't know if, Mikhail, if you want to add something. Talking openly here in this podcast, maybe an interesting fact is that we are a group of people gathered uh, during the time from different countries. So I'm from Austria, Lucas is from Italy, as while Ashley Appleton, our head of manufacturing and structure, is from UK, London, and JJ is from Spain. And seeing the, the milestones and the growth we have done in the last two years and everything we could achieve also in this pandemic field and being splitted into different cities, for example, I think that makes us also a little bit special and can be maybe can be a good role model for for also a digital working environment nowadays this also shows that we are coming mostly from aviation but we have in our store in our dna we have some motorsport you mentioned lucas that um rather than focusing on the air taxi which i know a lot of companies are focusing on um it would be really interesting to talk a bit more about the other use cases and the impact that manta aircraft can have going forward but could I just sort of start just by saying about the company working on its family of ANN workcraft or AN aircraft powered by hybrid electric vertical and short takeoff and landing. Are you able to tell us a bit more about the aircraft in general, but also why you've gone down this particular route? At the beginning, we set our target speed and, and range, which are quite high and, and long. So we target several hundred kilometers of, of range and uh, an airspeed, a cruise speed, which is almost 300 kilometers per hour, let's say. This means that to attain this result, we cannot rely on the batteries only. Today, the the energy density of the batteries is not enough to allow this performance. Mentioning the need for infrastructure, the cost of the replacement of the battery packs, which have a limited number of cycles that can be used for, and, uh, and also their disposal at the end. So to reach our goal, what we decided uh, more than two years ago already was to go for a winged solution, so not rock, rotorcraft, ducted fans, and then a hybrid propulsion system, which means uh, a gas turbine, which works with um, biodiesel or biojet one and a small battery pack. At that time, it was very un- uncommon uh, this solution because most of the EVTOL developers were uh, working on rotorcraft uh, layouts and uh, based only on batteries. So uh, with that solution for us, it was not possible to fulfill the missions that we set for our, for our uh, vehicle. That led immediately to the, to the winged and hybrid configuration. Because in, uh, when you fly the aircraft uh, with a, a wing, which is uh, lifting it, the amount of energy and, and power that is required is much less than uh, with a rotorcraft solution. So that helps. Uh, and uh, on the other side, uh, so on the propulsion system and the power generation system, we went to uh, the the hybrid uh, solution, which means uh, having a, a gas turbine, which uses a liquid fuel. And today, uh, like it or not, liquid fuels have the highest energy density. 
that is possible for an aircraft. So this is the reason why we went uh, down this, uh, this road. Then it comes with other uh, advantages that we see, like, as I was saying, we do not need a ground recharge infrastructure. Uh, we do not need to do battery swapping. The batteries are smaller because we use the batteries exactly like in a hybrid car. It means that the, the aircraft has the gas turbine always running and the gas turbine is sized to produce the power that is needed to power the, the fans, the ducted fans, the electric motors in the ducted fans uh, in uh, cruise. And the extra power that we need for vertical takeoff and landing is coming from the batteries. So in this way, we do not have a big turbine. And uh, we have also the batteries. So if uh, the turbine fails, we can fly with batteries for a certain amount of time. And also if we want to enter the city or land close to a city or or operate above a certain uh, populated area, we can also switch off the turbine and the aircraft can, uh, can fly for uh, some time just on the batteries. Uh, the amount of batteries that we can install or this can be changed. We can increase the amount of batteries. We cannot go below a certain a certain amount, obviously, because we need the batteries for takeoff and landing vertically. But we can increase the amount of batteries. And in this case, we can extend the range uh, that the aircraft can operate on uh, just with batteries. This means that uh, the, the hybrid solution for our mission is, uh, is good. It doesn't mean, obviously, that it's the best solution for every mission. Every aircraft has uh, its own mission. For our mission, this is the only solution today. But this doesn't mean that in the future, this will remain the only, the only solution. And that's why we designed the aircraft to be able to take on board a, a hydrogen-based uh, uh, power generation system or full batteries. Uh, so it means when batteries will be will be good enough for our mission, we can just replace the gas turbine and install all the batteries. So the platform is is designed to to be able to evolve and uh, and take on the uh, new solutions in propulsion, which might be hydrogen or uh, batteries only. Thanks ever so much for that, Lucas. Some really in-depth detail about the aircraft itself as well. Michael, if I could just bring you in onto the conversation, and I wondered how you could sort of talk a bit more about the AN aircraft and really how you feel it can fit in the emerging advanced demobility market. Yeah, sure. So seeing the market and the market possibilities uh, and the market fit uh, in this emerging advanced air mobility market, I think with the platform, which is based on these several models, like a two-seater and a four-plus-seater, the different possibilities for any operations, what Lucas described with the vertical takeoff and landing as well in, or in combination with the short takeoff and landing capabilities of the aircraft platform, uh, the range and the flight time through the design and the hybrid electric propulsion, we see a lot of exciting opportunities beyond this classic inner city urban mobility. Um, as mentioned by Lucas briefly in the beginning, uh, the N2, the two-seater, is intended for private air mobility, as well as for use in uh, utility in the utility category or for utility services. Means everywhere, also tackling the key points from before. Everywhere where the flexibility of the vertical takeoff and landing, the regional range of some hundreds of kilometers, and the cruise, the high cruising speed can make a huge difference. We talked a lot about of missions and about potential and possibilities. 
And examples here are clearly, uh, especially seeing the utility category, uh, for example, uh, law enforcement, any rapid uh, intervention missions, medical service, just think on the delivery of organs between two hospitals in a more efficient way, where not only the time or the flight time, but also the infrastructure requirements are crucial uh, for a fast point-to-point uh, uh, -point delivery. Uh, also infrastructure surveillance, it's another big topic with a lot of different missions. Uh, we see the, the N2 can perform very well. Uh, while with the, the larger platform, with the N4, the four plus seater, which is very versatile also in using the, the space in the aircraft, is targeted much more for air limousine services, business aviation, private charter, intercity travel and intercity connections, also seeing the regional range and, and the ecosystem and the possibilities which can be realized uh, in a very, very short timing, let's say, and not uh, in the mid of 2030s. The market itself, it's, this is a tricky question. I'm not sure, Lucas, if you have to add something later, but me as, as the marketing guy, it's tricky because it's a non-existing market everyone is talking about at the moment. Um, that comes along with uh, a lot of different things, uh, mainly the complete development uh, of the whole ecosystem behind, especially uh, talking about flying of thousands of aircrafts in urban environments. Uh, but a lot of conversations we had, more and more use cases and interest for special use cases and missions are emerging. And thus, I think the market will face a lot of potential, especially in the beginning for new efficiencies on existing missions uh, performed nowadays from helicopters or light aircrafts, for example, as well as upcoming new opportunities thanks to the new technologies and the advantages with that. Thank you ever so much for that, Michael, as well. Um, Lucas, I don't know whether you might be able to help with the, the next question, really, as well. And, and Michael, please sort of jump in with any of your thoughts as well, is how are developments coming along with your aircraft? I understand that Manta also established a US branch at the end of 2021. So how does that fit in with the company's goals and objectives in terms of certification and possible launch cities or areas where it would like to launch? We have been progressing, obviously, during the past uh, the past year, and uh, we have opened uh, our offices in Sesto Calende, Varese, which is the northern part of Italy, north of Milan, uh, towards uh, Switzerland, toward the Swiss border. Uh, as you might know, Sesto Calende is the cradle of the Italian aviation. At the, uh, the beginning of the 20th century here, uh, Giovanni Caproni established his uh, first aeronautical company. And uh, so, and here it's uh, it's the center of uh, of vertical uh, flight in Italy, and one of the most important ones worldwide. So there is Leonardo helicopter, which was called Augusta before Augusta Westland, and so there are several several people here around with uh, so much experience in this uh, in this world. Not only vertical flight, because also. There are other companies here around. They were called uh, Airmaki. They were called Marchetti. So these are companies that now are under the same name of Leonardo, the unique name of Leonardo. But uh, really, if you dig here, you can uh, you can find uh, 
aeronautical knowledge everywhere. So this is this is very good, uh, not only for the people who are here, but also for uh, the uh, the companies which are uh, suppliers of uh, of the of the manufacturer of Leonardo. So this is important because our uh, headquarters is uh, in Sesto Calende. So we do the development uh, based here, uh, and this is the place where, where we have the main uh, the main infrastructure. Uh, we will have another place where we do the flight test when times come. And, uh, and then we have opened, yes, the, the U.S. branch, uh, because obviously U.S. is a very important market for us. We think it's, uh, it's uh, a, a big, big market for, uh, for the, the use of the customers that we were outlining before just uh, in, the, in this talk. So, but during the, day, the year, we have gone forward also with the, from a technical point of view, we have been carrying on the, the design of the two-seater version, the N2. Uh, we have gone to the wind tunnel testing and uh, we have uh, and, and we have done uh, the, the testing with the rotary balance. So this uh, also gives some more insight into what the aircraft does uh, in non-static conditions. And then we also did uh, force oscillation. So everything also is done for a high alpha range, high angle of attack range at 90 degrees angle of attack. So we had to explore everything which is up to that uh, angle of attack and also beyond in some cases. So these uh, tests have given us the confirmation of the validity of the design. And, uh, and so we have frozen the configuration and uh, we have been working on the flight control laws and the control allocation. Uh, so it means uh, how you want to control the aircraft and the different situations. The aircraft is, uh, is quite flexible. We have uh, independent uh, canards that can, that can be used for pitch control and roll control and, uh, and deceleration. And then we have... Uh, uh, this, the, the motors, which the, the eight motors that can be controlled independently. And then obviously we have the ailerons and flaps and, uh, and rudders. So uh, there is plenty of combinations that can be used to control the aircraft. And this cannot be done directly by the pilot, but uh, the, the flight computer needs to intervene or uh, can uh, drive this. And to teach the flight computer how to use the aircraft, we need to do all the simulations. And for doing these simulations, we have assembled an engineering flight simulator, which today is called Digital Twin. In the past, it was simply a simulator. And, uh, and then the, in the digital twin, we have inserted the uh, data coming from the wind tunnel and the data coming from the CFD simulations. And uh, this uh, has been coupled with the flight control laws that we are developing. And so today we can test the aircraft in the simulator. And this is uh, a big, big part of the development. We are basing uh, most of our development on simulation for obvious uh, uh, reasons that we do not risk the, the, the scale models and uh, we can test very strange conditions or uh, very peculiar conditions 
and uh, and sit the pilot there and see how it responds and uh, what's the feeling of the pilot, what's his feedback, and then adapt this uh, to tune the flight control laws and uh, and the aircraft response. So this is part of the of the, the development we have been doing uh, during uh, the last uh, the last months last year, and then we have also started the discussion with um, with the certification authorities. We are in Europe, so you know that uh, in Europe, uh, everything is uh, uh, managed by EASA, but uh, the local civil aviation authorities have the, um, the capability to help uh, local uh, developers. And this is what we are doing with the Italian Civil Aviation Authority, uh, which is called ENAC, uh, which in Italian is Ente Nazionale per l'Aviazione Civile. ENAC is very supportive to our uh, project, and uh, we are uh, we have already started with them a path for uh, reaching uh, the the flying status of the next uh, prototype. And the next prototype will not come this year; will come uh, beginning of next year. And during this year, we will uh, carry on uh, with the simulation and the scale models. Perfect. Thanks ever so much for that, Lucas. That's really exciting. And um, it's great to see that the developments that's happened at Manta Aircraft. I'm wishing you all the very best with you and the team going forward as that uh, continues into next year and beyond as well. Another announcement I wanted to uh, make at the end of last year, which Manta said, is to establish that advanced air mobility ecosystem. I don't know whether you wanted to talk a bit more about how you know this ecosystem is more than just the aircraft, isn't it? Well, yes, I, I can say something. Maybe uh, maybe Mikael can add um, at his discretion. But uh, as as you correctly said, Manta is focused on the on the development of the platform, but at the same time is trying to to engage other players in this in this field, which uh, which are other companies, which are entities. We are uh, receiving interest from uh, some other companies. Each one of them is specialized in. Uh, peculiar on a special and dedicated uh, technology sector and uh, this technology can contribute to the to the platform but not only to the platform it's to the advanced air mobility in general so we think that today um, the development time of everything today is so fast uh, no? the, the, the speed is so fast and the time is short so to move fast forward we need uh, the contribution of the players which have different technologies do cross fertilization through different sectors and to find the best combination of, of this technology to adapt it to to our need obviously we have to to bring them to aeronautical standards uh, we always have to comply with the aeronautical requirements and this goes back to certification uh, but uh, we have to exploit the technology that's been developed in other uh, in other fields, and so we are building this uh, ecosystem with the technology with the with the other stakeholders in the field, and these stakeholders go, uh, you know, they are quite wide. I mean, for example, we know that we will need a, a, a communication between every vehicle and ground stations, and so a telecommunication company here can play a big role. Uh, this is just an example, but we can extend this to everything that you can imagine and you already know about the rest of aviation. So, yes, the, the ecosystem is, I think, is the key word 
to bring advanced mobility to a reality level that is uh, that can be concrete so that's uh, where we can really make this this world happen and uh, see the vehicles in the air and flying uh, in controlled air spaces and with procedures approved uh, with uh, certain standards of the of the crafts michael do you want to add something it's a crucial point anyway, and I think it's not only aviation, but in, in any other business, if new technologies emerge, the ecosystem is at any time the key point behind and think on all the articles and everything uh, we have been talking about and also have been asked about regarding flights over populated areas, regarding what happens if thousands of aircrafts, drones, delivery drones, personal drones, uh, traditional aircraft are in the air at the same time. So infrastructure, air traffic control, the air traffic management, the operators, how to book the flights, everything. So many things come into play to accelerate or, or to be the springboard for the realization of a new, totally new era of, uh, of air mobility, let's say. I think an OEM alone can maybe build the perfect, the perfect aircraft, but it takes much more that it can be utilized perfectly. If we can go back to your part of your question, Jason, is there was about uh, DigiSky and SkyGate. Well, uh, SkyGate is a, is a great initiative that there is in Italy to to bring advanced mobility to reality in Turin. Uh, Turin has a beautiful airport, which is a city airport, because now it's in the city. And uh, it, it could be a fantastic test base because it's in the city. So it means that you can, uh, you can reach the airport with, a, with an underground, uh, with the metro, uh, with the bus. And then from there, you can take off and then you can fly to another city. So this would be a, a very good opportunity to show the potential of the advanced mobility. So SkyGate is working to, to create the first integrated advanced mobility hub, let's say, in Italy. And uh, our effort is to put together or contribute, at least we are not the only ones, obviously, but we, we want to contribute as much as possible to assemble this ecosystem to bring all the stakeholders to build this advanced our mobility environment. Great, thanks ever so much for that, Lucas and Michael. Really appreciated your insights. Um, also, my other congratulations on the appointment of Fabio Nononi to Manta's advisory board. So what expertise can he bring to the rest of the team when building the company's ANN aircraft? Lucas, I don't know whether you might be able to add first and then we can hear Michael's thoughts afterward as well. Fabio is... Uh is one of the persons who is more skilled in uh, helicopters in the world, I think, technically speaking. So he has been the technical director of Augusta and then Leonardo Helicopter for so many years. So he has seen the development of every helicopter after the 109 uh, of Augusta. So he has a huge experience in everything. So he can help us and he is helping us actually in uh, every area so from systems uh, integration from uh, the definition of uh, some systems uh, from uh, estimates uh, of performance uh, and uh, and different solutions that can be taken from the helicopter world but anyway you know systems for air for aircraft in general so it means airplanes and helicopters 
uh, are similar and they always uh, pose the same challenges. So uh, there is a lot that uh, Fabio can do for us and uh, we are extremely happy of having uh, so so much experience at our uh, proposal. So he's really helping a lot. It's everything that is that is done by a technical director of uh, a series of helicopters you can, that you can imagine can can help this world. I think that when we want to develop EV tolls, we have to have the background, a very solid background uh, in uh, helicopter uh, design and technology and airplane technology. So we need both of them. And Fabio is bringing a lot on this case. I think one of the most important things to add, also talking to Fabio, he is a great extension to our whole team. And uh, so we have not only gained tremendous experience of almost 40 years in vertical lift and converted planes, which definitely will help us and the technical team around Lucas, JJ and Ashley to significantly accelerate the progress. But we also have gained a fantastic personality for our team, which is one of the most crucial aspects in working intensively together. Michael, if I could stick with you, if that's okay, just for this next question. Manta Aircraft attended last year's Dubai Air Show, which was a really well-attended event, um, especially at a time when COVID-19 was having an impact on travel restrictions and how many people could attend event. But how important are these events as we go into 2022, when we hopefully will see more events like Dubai in, in the near future? How important are they in terms of showcasing the work, not only that Manta is doing in the industry, but also the industry as a whole to the general public that, that might not be aware of the work that's going on here? Very good question, especially in this transforming digital world nowadays and also seeing the pandemic where you don't have a lot of shows and also, but also the world works somehow at the end of the day. But yeah, having been there, the Dubai Air Show, uh, uh, just telling a little bit about that was very well attended, uh, which of course made us ultimately happy. Uh, having been exhibitors there. But the large crowd, to be honest, and the great interest in the people, in the products, in the whole area there comes also from the fact that, is, that it was uh, the first major live event in the pandemic or after the pandemic started. Uh, and people have been really striving for that. So in every conversation we had there, uh, there was such a good mood. And everyone was so happy to be outside, to talk to people, to, to play around with the things they see. Uh, for us, I can say it was a huge success. We have been overwhelmed by all this interest uh, from the most diverse areas. A lot of exciting conversations and the follow-ups behind it. And I think that's exactly the point regarding the importance for such showcasing events in general. For people, it is important to experience something live, to touch it, to be able to deal with something in their way, to interact, to talk about person. At the end, it's about people and not only products. And these kind of shows for me or in my eyes or from my marketing profession, it's always has been an accelerator, uh, accelerator to understand things. In marketing terms, we also talk about experience marketing these days. There are so many messaging flowing around and so many approaches to try to explain something to potential customers, et cetera, et cetera. But tackling all these important touch points that's come along with a brand or a product, be it an event as discussed here, is it a call, a, per, a private conversation, 
Is it just receiving information? This is crucial for the image of a company and a reliability of a company and how I feel towards them. So the personal note and I think this personal experience and exchange uh, is crucial. And so I think showcasing the technology in such events to the public or also to any other stakeholders in the branch, because we have talking about uh, the ecosystem, is very important to understand the possibilities and the advantages to also create the often mentioned uh, social acceptance, which is needed to create a totally new era of something. In our case, it's a new era of advanced air mobility and, and aviation. Uh, that's the reason why it will also remain so, especially for new technologies, which needs to be much more explained than existing ones. So the close contact, being able to talk about, being able to showcase something to everyone is definitely a crucial point. And you can see that very strongly also in the automotive industry, for example, but also in other industries, especially with tech. This will definitely be a key pillar in our marketing strategy also in the future. It has to be uh, to explain also the product and the advantages and the possibilities within. Lucas, did you want to have any other points you wanted to add on to Michael's mentions about the importance of events for Manta's point of view, really, as Michael said, to tell people who perhaps might not be familiar with the industry a bit more about what you're doing and sort of the vision you have for this new era of travel? Well, I think uh, I, I totally agree with Michael and uh, Michael, and, uh, and I, I also think that the people started uh, the story of the EV toll started with people uh, dreaming of being able to take off and land vertically from the back garden and then uh, and uh, and do something like uh, we see in Blade Runner or uh, in these uh, iconic movies and uh, as soon as the the months go by we see that people understand more and more the EV toll uh, industry and they and what are the possibilities that there are which are maybe not as uh, as in the movies, but they are becoming more and more real. So I think it's interesting to see how people are fast learning about this sector. And uh, communication is a top priority. And, uh, and this is also what you are doing so good. Uh, you are communicating a lot and you are uh, a very good tool for everyone to to learn and understand about uh, about uh, EV tolls. What we have seen in Dubai was a lot of curiosity, also from uh, from especially from people from uh, the, the classical coming from the classical aviation, and uh, learning that now you can really do this, and uh, and this is uh, amazing. I mean, the the response we got was was really good uh, so a lot of interest you mentioned about social acceptance michael and certainly lucas you mentioned some good points throughout our conversation as well i wanted to finish the podcast just by getting your final thoughts really about the key challenges so we talk while the excitement is generating for this industry a lot of curiosity as you said lucas as well but could you offer some insights to our audience about potentially the top two challenges that might be ones that we need to work on sort of now that in the future i don't know if you had any other thoughts that you could share with our audience just to finish our conversation off today we are migrating from the uh, approach of develop the aircraft and the platforms and the, the vehicles just that to now how do we put 
the advanced our mobility in place, how do we really make this uh, a reality? And this uh, change is important because we see that there are so many things that we have to do to make uh, advanced our mobility a reality. So I think one of the challenges is just to assemble this network or this ecosystem as uh, we were talking uh, just uh, before, uh, so that all the tiles of the puzzle are in place for the advanced our mobility to really work. So I think this is a major challenge and uh, it's, it's not a small challenge. I think it's, uh, it's something that is, uh, is fundamental and uh, more or less technically, we know where we are going. So there are different solutions, uh, which doesn't mean that one is better than the other one. It's simply that missions are different. So each solution is tailored for that mission. So we more or less, we know how to make these things, right? The thing is how to use them. We have to define how to use them. We have to understand how to use them in the, in the environment that, uh, that is existing, which is urban, suburban, uh, regional, but we have to build infrastructure for this. And we have to convince the people, what also Michael, Michael was saying before, we have to tell you know, these guys, uh, everybody out there, how he can use this technology and how he can use these means of transportation. And this is the first uh, challenge, I think. So assemble a real working advanced mobility uh, system. And the second challenge, I think, is uh, certification. Today is based on classical aeronautical principles. Uh, maybe we have to think about uh, a different way to approach certification of these vehicles. It's not easy to change uh, the rules. Uh, and sometimes uh, it's also maybe good to preserve you know, the safety that is uh, guaranteed by these rules. But maybe we have to think uh, at these vehicles uh, like uh, what they really are. They are something halfway between a car and a classical airplane. So certification wise, I think we should be focusing at something which in, in terms of uh, framework of rules, which is in between the cars and the, and the, and the airplanes. The, the aviation is very structured, you know, uh, it's, uh, it's very structured and somehow also quite rigid because as we usually say, every rule in aviation has been written by somebody having an accident. So it's uh, difficult to change rules uh, when uh, you have to approve something that, that, uh, that has the life of, of the occupant in your hands. And so uh, I think it's not so quick and not so trivial to understand how to change uh, some some of these rules, some, but uh, I think uh, a, an adjustment uh, will happen. And we know that EASA and FAA are already working a lot on this. So this is a challenge. Definitely, it is a challenge. And uh, it's a tension between two different uh, attractions. One is the attraction of uh, uh, having something new, using new technology, which is coming from uh, automotive, from other sectors, which are not aviation. And so implement and bring this great technology developed fastly in the, in the past decades. 
and also make something which everybody can use or everybody can take and fly from here to there so much easily. You know? But on the other side, we have also the tension that uh, draws to uh, guarantee the safety of these vehicles because everything that is in the air is uh, intrinsically dangerous if it's not uh, properly managed. So we have these two uh, attraction points and I think uh, we have to understand how the, where the equilibrium will be in the, in the future. For the time being, we have to design everything according to aeronautical rules, that's clear. Michael, did you have any other final thoughts that you'd like to share with our audience in, in terms of industry challenges or anything that you're seeing? I think you also have to think of the type of aircraft, the type of mission, and which obstacle is here. So these two mentioned by Lucas are definitely the most general ones for the whole advanced air mobility and the new era of, of, of mobility. But also then seeing uh, uh, infrastructure, air traffic control, air traffic management, as I mentioned before, having thousands of aircraft in there, it will be, as it is forecasted, it will be a totally different crowded field of airspace, which has much more potential for any failure or any other things. So I think if we're talking about some other points, we really need to go in a breakdown and we'll definitely find and identify a couple. Uh, which are anyway part of this ecosystem. So I think this was this was quite straight. Lucas, Michael, thank you both ever so much for talking to me. Really appreciated you filling us in a bit more about Manta Aircraft, the work that you're doing in the market, but also about the uh, your AN aircraft as well. Wishing you and the team all the very best going forward and very much like to continue our conversations and look forward to hearing about more developments in the near future. Thanks a lot, Jason. It's uh, our pleasure to talk to you and congratulations for the communication that you are doing, which is uh, really helpful in, in several aspects that we have mentioned in this talk. Thanks a lot, Jason. Very appreciated and uh, looking forward to the next conversations. Thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to be featured in one of our podcasts or there's something you feel we should be talking about, then please send me an email at editorial at evtolinsights.com. We'll be back soon with another episode, so look out for it on whichever podcast platform you use. Goodbye.